0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
1: Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic. Visit TheAthletic.com slash Spot S P O T R A C, for 40% off your annual subscription. Plenty of articles, long form articles, real information, real research, plenty of podcasts across the local and national markets, across all the major and some of the minor sports growing every day, just like Spy Track is. Again, theathletic.com slash SpotTrack. My name is Mike Giannetti. Happy Wednesday evening. You're probably listening to this Thursday morning, so plenty could have changed. I want to start with Major League Baseball real quick. I know we touched on that with the last episode, but there's some at least more specifics to add with the offer that was made from the ownership side. Uh, I'll detail that a little bit, give some thoughts, a little bit of NFL to get to, I've been doing some behind-the-scenes work on some projections, uh, where things might stand. Here, here's the, uh, the crux of this show, and I hope a couple more shows going forward here. Uh, we're going to start to operate from a podcast standpoint, from a data standpoint, from a content standpoint, as if we are full speed ahead. So, you know, the NFL is in off-season mode, but they are full steam ahead for sure. I mean, they're going to start having in-person workouts this week in many of the states, Training camps appear to be on schedule. And, you know, for all intents, a full 16-game season is also on schedule. So the NFL is there. Sure sounds like we're going to get an announcement from the NBA Friday about uh, a legitimate plan that's in place. And if everything goes well, we'll get to that maybe July. We know what's coming from hockey. The NHL was sort of the first to lay out their official plan. It's getting okay (laughs) feedback, I think, People that are actually taking the time to dive into the nuts and bolts of this are understanding it and are appreciating the work that, that the front offices and Gary Bettman put into this. It, there's a lot of care in what the NHL proposed yesterday, and I do think this happens. Uh, what we don't know is where it's going to happen, and that seems to be the last piece of the puzzle. But, and it's a big piece, of course. sounds like there's four or five locations in mind. The NHL is going to make it work. They know how important their postseason is. I would imagine the NBA is in the same boat. I would imagine a little bit more creativity from the NBA, whether it's a March Madness style tournament, you know, maybe expansion of teams to get teams like New Orleans involved. So you've got Zion and Lonzo and those kind of players. This is a TV show. okay? I mean, most sports now are just TV shows. And, you know, the fans in the stands and the and the beer and hot dog sales are ancillary. We're, We're finding out just how important some of those things are to some of the leagues. But especially for 2020. They're creating TV shows, right? These are reality shows behind the scenes that are being put on with real players and real sports. If the NBA can creatively create a television show that includes as many characters as possible, they're going to do it, right? If that involves getting the Knicks in there, getting Zion in there. The NHL did this to a certain degree. It looks like they've expanded from eight to 12, which... That That's a big enchilada. I mean, 24 teams heading into a postseason that's already exciting. That could really work out for them for at least one year. Like I said, I think the NBA might get even more creative than that. Expand, of course. They're going to be in Disneyland. Excuse me, Disney World in Orlando. So you can imagine the pomp and circumstance that they can put on from a production standpoint there, having ties with ABC, of course, and, and the Disney family. I, I I'm envisioning this to be... <laughs> Something straight out of the food network, honestly, um, you know, a ton of flair, a ton of production, if they do it right and it's a tournament style, you know they could also go group style where there's, there's three to four groups, and the winner the top two out of the group advance, and there's a point structure. That seems like it might be a little bit too complicated to get done in a week and a half, or whatever, whatever the time frame is, whatever the drop dead date is on the season. Um, but certainly that would be entertaining. I just think throw this thing into a, an expanded ranking system similar to what they're doing right now with the one through eight on a normal basis, but wrap it in a, in a March Madness kind of bow and sell it to the TV audience, which is the only audience you're going to get here, um, and sell it to us in that March Madness style and sponsorships and fans. We're going to eat it up. Gamblers, <laughs> I mean, DraftKings and FanDuel, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's legitimate partnerships with them. I know there's casino partnerships with the NBA. I'm all for on-screen odds, live betting odds, like we saw with the the match golf tournament. All of this needs to happen. And I know it's it, it's a small time frame to get this kind of stuff done, but the NBA has been radio silent for, for a point, on purpose. Adam Silver has been behind doors, and there's some people calling for him to come out and actually speak. It sounds like that's going to happen Friday. I hope he has all of these these t's crossed and i's dotted i hope that it includes everything right we're going to be in disney world this is going to be a tv show we're going to expand we want these players involved uh i hope he says it all i hope he's honest and upfront about it all because i i do think that we should not be expecting a normal nba playoffs or a normal nhl postseason it's just not likely you know it's Hockey's going to be different without fans. We're going to hear everything, okay? And they're going to pump in noise and do whatever they can do. But that playoff atmosphere has as much to do with the fans as it does with the aggressiveness of the play on the ice. So from a production standpoint, I think the NHL has, has laid a good foundation for how these things can work. Again, the locations, the TBD on that one. And I expect Friday the NBA to blow us away. I really do. I expect them to have it button down this is what's going to happen the players appear to be on board with, with, with whatever's happening I don't know if that means you know your LeBron James and your Chris Pauls are, are in communication behind the scenes with Adam Silver or if you know there is some sort of proposal that's going to be thrown out Friday that has to be approved by the play, the NBA Players Association and those representatives uh, I don't quite know where that stands but I would expect a logical up, uptick from what the NHL just proposed Baseball's a whole different story and I uh I don't want to go down this path too deep because, A, there's a lot of nerdy math to it that I've pushed out on Twitter and that uh, guys like Jeff Passon and ESPN have done a really nice job of detailing. B, and this is the most important thing, there is not a chance in heaven that the, that the Major League Baseball Players Association is even going to consider this option, this offer that was made Tuesday by the owners. It is a slap in the face. The, the Major League Baseball owners and the front offices are treating this period right now as if we're in a CBA negotiation. I mentioned in the last show that I understand that because there is a CBA that expires after next season, after 2021. So there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of anxiety. I mean, everybody that I read and talk to says the players are out. And I'll tell you why in in two sentences. And I mentioned it and I say it on Twitter all the time. The franchise players, for the most part, the last 10 years or so. And it's because teams have gone moneyball. The most important players to many franchises are players under team control uh, and cost control. Players who are in their first six years, you're Pete Alonzos, you're Aaron Judges, okay? you're Mookie Betts up until this year. Anyone, Juan Soto, uh, the, the list goes on, Ronald Acuna. Okay? If the player hasn't signed one of these early extensions like Acuna did and Blake Snell did, then they're making $50,0, 600000 dollars And they're going to make that for the first three years. And then they're going to add three to four million onto that with arbitration. And then, you know, it goes up from there. But you can't have Pete Alonso in year two making six hundred and fifty thousand dollars and then expect everything else to work out around it with no structure. It's once you get past that six year, it's go get whatever you can get. Okay. So the, the most important major league baseball players on average right now. Certainly, your Mike Trouts and your Bryce Harpers and your Nolan Arenados, they're there and they're, they've got their payday. But for the most part, there is a gigantic chunk of Major League Baseball that lives in cost control. And it's important from a marketability standpoint, from a television viewing standpoint, from a, just a baseball standpoint, just to progress the game. Those are the players that these kids are, are latching onto. It's not so much the Mike Trouts. Those guys don't have, but my guess is your Pete Alonso's and your Aaron Judge's. And your Cody Bellinger's, that's probably where the younger kids are gravitating to. So to me, that's exactly why this proposal that I'm going to detail here and the proposal that's going to be brought up in the CBA negotiations over the next 18 months are going to be detrimental to the league because the owners want to pay 28-year-olds and forward, and the crux of baseball is between the age 22 and 27. It's the NFL conversation. It's the running back conversation, really. But for the most part, that's the NFL conversation. So many of these leagues now are finding age 27 to be this black line equator. And when you're under it, you're generally cost controlled. So you're cheap. And when you're over it, you're old. That's the knock now. You're old over 27. So, you know, we no longer need to pay you top dollar because we got the best of you production wise out of the first four seasons of you or the first three and a half seasons, whatever it is. It's a bad look. It's a bad look, and it's a bad way to manage a business. It's a bad way to manage a business because I understand the entry level graduates to you know, a veteran kind of, kind of system. It's fine. The NFL has had to address this. They've done an okay job of it. I don't think this recent CBA did enough to, it to push the, the rookie wage scale forward, but at least there's a scale in place that they can gravitate to. All Major League Baseball has is a minimum salary, one minimum salary on an annual basis. You're either at minimum, way better than minimum, or somewhere in the middle, which generally gravitates towards $1 million. If you look at the veterans who you know, are, are fighting for a starting job or are just latching on with the team, they're making a $1 million, and they do it every single year. I see it every single year. There's about 45 to 50 players who had a couple of offers from a couple of teams. You know, you're as Dribble Cabrera kind of player who's just trying to keep this to stick in the league. It's a $1 million. That's it, It's which is... more than the absolute bare minimum just getting into the league rookie. It's not enough. It's not enough. And the middle class of baseball is in trouble. So you've got a cost control six year system that's broken because front offices are abusing it to a maximum degree. That's why the Astros were this darling franchise to win because they acquired all these, either they drafted them or they acquired them internationally or they acquired them via trade but cost-controlled players with a low payroll to, that won the World Series. It's a nice romantic story, but it's not how baseball needs to operate on an, on a regular basis. That should not be the norm. It should not And it should not be something everybody tries to do. I mean, the, even the Yankees went out and tried to build a, uh, a 25-man roster a couple of years ago with kids, with kids, and they did it to cleanse their payroll. I understand that happening every couple of years. That's what that's what's happening in all the sports, but you, you just can't have guys like Aaron judge and Pete Alonzo and Cody Bellinger having to wait their turn this long. Six years is just flat out too long. And until there's a, there's a demand for ownership to change that structure. I don't know It the baseball's not going to be in a good place for the next year and a half, two years, I expect there to be a strike because this is not an easy fix. You are, you are, I am asking them to change the entire financial structure of their league, Uh, whether that's bring it down to a four-year structure like the NFL has. I mean, the the NBA essentially has a two-year structure. These rookies are signing two-year deals with two club options, and there's a rookie extension available after the third year. Similar to the NFL when you put it all together mathematically, but there's there's an actual chance the majority of these rookies, these first-rounders in the NBA, have major paydays after their third year or prior to. So to me, baseball's got to live somewhere between the NBA and, and the NFL going forward. It just has to happen. You know, whether that means getting rid of the luxury tax system like Scott Allen laid out on the last show, uh, I just think there, something has to give. There's going to have to be a compromise from the players for sure. Right, You're going to have players who are in your Juan Soto land, who are in that cost-controlled area right now. And then you're going to have players who've already gone through it, Mookie Betts, Bryce Harper, etc., who paid their dues, paid their time, and 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 did went got their paychecks. We'll see if Mookie Betts gets his paycheck, but uh, it's going to split, and and the owners are going to take advantage of that. Similar to how the NFL owners took advantage of the minimum salary players in the NFL, it's a huge group. It's sixty percent of the league, so all you know, it's like the electoral (laughs) college. If you can find enough population in the right areas to, to, to focus on, you can win. You can win elections that way. You can win votes that way. So I expect that's what the owners are going to do is they're going to try to, to, to somehow please the lesser paid players, which is what I'm asking for, but I don't want it to be a band aid. I want this to be a legitimate structural change. Not only do I want a rookie wage scale that's, that's less years and more impactful, allow these guys to, to make a little bit more coin early, especially, with incentives and bonuses based on production. I mean, I mean, Pete Alonso, Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge over the past two years have already been two of the best players in all of baseball from an MVP standpoint. And, you know, you're just not negotiating any kind of incentives or bonuses into these young deals. It's not happening. So let's shorten a ro- and make and structure a rookie wage scale. Let's also create a minimum salary structure for all different uh, years of experience. Guys like Azurbo Cabrera should have a minimum of one point five million, or you know, ten percent of the luxury tax threshold, whatever it is. You know, slot it based on percentages of the tax threshold, and then have different slots based on years of experience. Not rocket science stuff. Stuff that the players should absolutely be demanding in this upcoming negotiation, and uh, I sure hope we see it. Speaking of slotted salaries and slotted percentages, let's take a look here at what Jeff Passan has unfolded with these owners offer to Major League Baseball Players Association. The one that I basically says is going to be a, an absolute no. I, I don't even imagine they're going to consider this. So off the, off the top, and this is something that isn't being made public enough, all of this, these new offers we're talking about here, all the numbers you're seeing from all these 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 athletic guys, Kenny Rose with all these guys, all this stuff. It is after the prorated salary reduction, so we're we're already talking about the 82 game pay, not 162 game pay. So bring down Clayton Kershaw from thirty thirty one million down to fifteen and a half, whatever it's going to be. Um, that's the starting point. Then there are slotted percentage reductions based on how much you made, not how long you've been in the league. Again, I'll make that comment because that's important to me. Not how long you've been in the league, but how much, how big your salary is. So for instance, if you make more than $20 million, you're going to lose an additional 20% of your salary this year to come back. 10 million, between 10 and 20 would be 30%. If you're a minimum salary player, you're going to lose, you're going to be paid, excuse me. Let me start again. If you make $20 $20 million or more, you will make 20% of that. So I had it backwards. You're going to earn 20% of that pay. You'll make 30% of your pay between 10 and 20 million, 40% between five and 10. And therefore, a minimum salary, you can make 72.5% of that. It's not good. It's not good. It means if you're a minimum salary player, you're going to make 262000 or $226,000. For the remainder of this season. If, if you're Mike Trout, and, and again, Jeff Passan really laid this out nicely because there's loopholes with all of this. It's not just a clear cut, 20, 80% off the, off the top like, like you know some of the numbers being thrown out there are. It's actually an incremental pay. So you're going to be in tier one to start, then tier two to, after that, and it goes up based on how much you accrue throughout the year. It's a big big pay cut. We're talking about if the Angels play 82 games and go all the way through and all the bonuses are hit because there's some significant postseason bonuses which we talked about in the last show, but I still don't think they're enough. Let me tell you why Mike Trout's supposed to make 36 million dollars this year. So is Garrett Cole based on this structure if the Yankees or the Angels play out the 82 game regular season and then go all the way through the playoffs They'll make about seven and a half, maybe $8 million when it's all said and done instead of 36. That is quite, and that's with the postseason included. That's nuts. It's nuts. It's an absolute no for me. This is the absolute low ball first offer from the owners. And it's an embarrassing, insulting offer. And they know it. That's what I mean. They're treating this like a negotiation, like a CBA negotiation. They're not treating this like we're in a crisis. We all have to come together and do the right thing to get back on the field. The owners don't want to be on the field. That's what this offer says. The owners don't want to lose money to go play games without fans, concessions, and parking just to have a TV show. That's what this offer says to me, at least, because you absolutely can't do what I just laid out. You can't do it. I, I don't really know where I lie because I just want to see a baseball come back, so I, I don't want to give too strong of an opinion on this, but my initial opinion is the owners should find other ways to recoup this money get creative, get a marketing team involved, understand that this is a production company and a TV show now and that there aren't going to be people in the seats that you can sling T-shirts at out of a gun and figure out how to recoup some of this revenue that you're certainly going to lose. And we, you know, it's a terrible situation. They're going to lose over half. They're going to lose at least 60% of the revenue pro- projected for 2020. And that's a fact. But taking it away from the players is such a bad idea. To me, you prorate down to 82 and you just go from there. And if you have to increase postseason pay to, make the, to sweeten the pot a little bit, you do it. I, I don't understand the reduction. I understand them coming in and trying to make as much money as possible as owners and, and, and business people here. But you are messing with the wrong group of people, in my opinion. And it's, it's showing how much power they have. It's showing how much leverage they have. And like I said, they are starting to negotiate a CBA that's 18 to 24 months away. It's a bad look. It's a really bad look. And, and in, by making it public, by the way, like they did yesterday, they're, they're trying to spin this back on the players. They want 150 players to get on Twitter today and crush it and sound greedy and sound petty and sound small so that the narrative turns from the owners made a terrible offer to the players won't accept even a little bit of money to play baseball. That's what they want. They want to turn this back on the players. They're manipulating the system because they have all the power. It's a it's a bad, bad situation and it's a bad luck. And please take some time to actually read the numbers and understand this offer because it's a really bad offer. (laughs) And that's just not an opinion. I don't know how anybody can see this as a good offer. Um, So that's it. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to dive too much deeper. Basically, they're trying to take a huge percentage off of already prorated salaries with the caveat of you can make a little bit of it back if you make the playoffs and a little bit more if you get to the World Series and blah, blah, blah. Not enough. It's not enough because if there is a postseason, and that's an if because the timing of the postseason and this projected second wave of this coronavirus are kind of aligning themselves right now. But if there is a postseason, that's a ton of money in, the, in these owners' pockets from the TV revenue. It's a ton of money. It's where everybody lives. It's why the NHL is coming back. It's why the NBA will certainly come back with a full force for, for a postseason here. Baseball knows it. Anybody who's close to baseball knows it. The players should know it too. And I hope the players' union really sits down and says, do we want to play baseball this year and, and actually put forth some, an, an offer that, that the owners will have to accept in order to have us on the field? Or do we just sit this one out and let the owners break even to some degree, financially speaking, in 2020? Like I said, they're not going to be bleeding money to put these games on, which we all know that's going to happen. So if everybody just kind of sits out in 2020, it'll be terrible for us as fans, that's for sure. But I don't know it's starting to look like that's what the owners actually want. And I I'd hate to see the players given to something like this. Okay. A little NFL talk. Then we're going to switch gears, bring in Scott Allen because he's got some NBA off stuff to get to, which is, it's fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it's not going to be a superstar off season. We think we know when the off season is going to be. We'll lay that out. We think we think we understand that kind of the nuts and bolts of how it might operate. Um, And we've got some players, trade candidates, extension candidates, sign-in trade candidates, teams that will be affected greatly by a reduction or a plateau in salary cap. So we'll get some NBA deep dives in just a bit with Scott. I put an article article on spottrek.com today outlining NFL contract extension candidates, one from every single team. Um, this was a little bit of work because I didn't just want to go chalk and bring up all the franchise tag candidates. A few of the franchise tag guys are certainly, certainly there because they're the best option for that team. Uh, but for the most part, I try to get creative with this and find some players that maybe you're not thinking about from each franchise. I threw a current contract structure up there and I threw a projected calculation. So we, we, we have our, our projected market value system. It's a formula for each position that we base a, a lot of things on. So I've put our number there, uh, public facing for each of these extension candidates. And then I've got some thoughts that I wrote out basically saying, yes, the number says this, but, it you know, more likely that he gets this or it's not likely that he's actually extended at all. Um, you know, I've got some some truth to it next to each of these players. Check that out at SpotRick.com. I also threw it on Twitter at SpotRick, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. A couple of quarterbacks there, of course, your Deshaun Watsons, your Patrick Mahomes and, of course, Dak Prescott couple more running backs than I thought were going to make this list. I believe there's four, if I'm looking correctly. I think there's four running backs here. A couple you may not be thinking of for sure. So uh, check that out. The wide receivers are interesting because I think in, in both cases... So the one I think for sure will get extended, but not in 2020. And I'm talking about the Hopkins happens with that one. I do believe that Arizona wants to see a year there and then also figure out what's going to happen with Larry Fitzgerald going forward before they throw Hopkins crazy money, which they're going to have to do. There's two on this list, though, in Chris Godwin and T.Y. Hilton, who I think are very, very interesting candidates. Godwin's going to need a lot of money. It's not going to be Julio Jones money, but he's going to need some coin. And the decision there with Tampa Bay is, do they offer to him right now? He just had a monster season. He and Mike Evans combined were phenomenal. Godwin, I believe, was the highest-rated wide receiver according to Pole Football Focus. I mean, all, all the stars are in his corner right now. Do they try to lock him up now at, at a number that I've got there or something close to it? Or And, and also, does he accept the number right now? Or do, or, or do they wait and let him get to the end of his contract now with Tom Brady in the fold and the, them being legitimate Super Bowl candidates? that's risky. <laughs> that's risky. I guess the thinking with Godwin, and this is where I'll finish this, co- this conversation, could be he's only set to make $2.3 million this year, and I've got him projected upwards of $17 million, which is high second-tier money. It, it's tough to call him a wide receiver too, but you, you have to knowing that Mike Evans is on the other side of the field the whole time. I think in a lot of cases, though, he's a, he's a WR1. That's definitely the approach his agent's going to take, even if it's even with Tampa Bay for extension purposes. So, you know, my 17 million might be laughable to Godwin and his camp when it comes down to brass tacks. You know, they're going to be pushing Amari Cooper Scott 20. Michael Thomas is nineteen and a half. So I, I don't know that Godwin is in those conversations. I'm not sure he should be, but his agent's certainly going to try to put him there. So, you know, are they splitting the difference and is 18 and a half million going to get done? I don't know. But if I'm Tampa Bay and that's the number, let's say it's 18 and a half million over the next four years. I think the better move is to play out 2020. Hopefully, hope he doesn't hold out, which I don't think he will knowing the, uh, the season that Tampa Bay could have here and then just slap a tag on him because I think that franchise tag, yes, it'll be high, but it'll be a good, a heck of a pay raise for Chris Godwin they can assess their roster from there a little bit more. I mean, the Gronk situation is really interesting. He'll be expiring as well. You kind of know what you have in OJ Howard and Cameron Brady a little more from that position. The running back position can maybe sorts itself out a little bit, but you may have to go and do some damage on that next year as well. And then who knows about Brady Brady's on a two-year deal, fully guaranteed. You know, if Brady's Brady this year, then there's no question he's coming back next year, you know, without, without having to bring somebody back in for it. Um, I'm just wondering from an allocation standpoint, if they can handle a big time extension for Chris Godwin, knowing Mike Evans is already on one and they may have to address the tight end situation again next year. So we'll see. It's interesting to understand the timing of Godwin versus how much the money could change. Again, if he has another year, if he, if they don't extend him this, this summer and he goes out and has another huge year with Tom Brady. Now, I mean, there's no question he's 20 plus million. There's just no question because it's he's now proven it over two and a half years and enough's enough so that's one to watch for sure check out the whole list i've got 32 players up there on Spottrick.com, and we will continue to pump out the nfl contract as if we're having a normal off season here let's uh let's bring in scott allen and talk some basketball while most sports are currently at a standstill, it's never too early to start preparing your updated fantasy football draft roster there's no better resource than fantasy pros but their flagship draft wizard mock draft simulator you can customize any format that your fantasy league plays run mock drafts in a matter of minutes against realistic opponents and prepare for any scenario your draft might face everything's going to be updated we got rookies we got udfas there's plenty to deal with right now especially if you're a dynasty draft and you know extensions like deshaun watson will matter to you get in there start cranking the numbers out start figuring out what the heck is about to happen here as we push towards the uh you know, the, the preseason schedule and things like that. It's going to come soon, especially with nothing else going on. So keep up with it on Fantasy Pros. Visit FantasyPros.com slash SpotTrack-NFL today. Get a head start on your competition. Again, that's FantasyPros.com slash SpotTrack-NFL. All right, Scott, welcome back to the show. Question number one is this. Generally speaking, July 1st is the big day for really a lot of sports that we cover, but notably the NBA It's the start of the new league year. It's when trades can start to happen. It's when free agency becomes official. And a lot of the the rumors and hot stoves that we uh, have been reading for a week prior come to fruition. What is that going to look like in this coronavirus situation? Is it going to be similar, but pushed back?
0: Yeah, it's going to be pushed back from what it sounds like. Uh, The NBA wants their finals to end sometime in the middle of September. And then it sounds like about five days after the end of the finals, they want to have their draft. And then from there go into uh, free agency slash beginning of league year. I'm hearing October one sounds like what they might be shooting for in that case, maybe uh, November one, if they have to push it back a little bit, but th- it sounds like from what I'm hearing and reading, It sounds like they may want to shoot for something like December 25th, Christmas Day or somewhere around there uh, to start actual games being played. So however things work out with that, and obviously things could get pushed back or or whatnot, but it sounds like that's what the tentative, quote unquote, uh, schedule is what they're trying to shoot for as of right now from what I've heard.
1: You made a really interesting point offline. I just want to get it on the air as well. Um, one, of the, one of the bigger things that we track and try to keep up with are these trade restriction dates, yeah, meaning, you know, for instance, if a player is signed early in free agency in July there, w- what's it generally three to six months? There's different, there's different levels of restrictions that you can that ha- you have to keep that player for a certain designated yeah. amount of time before you can move them again.
0: Right. So if players sign at the beginning in July, uh, it's either December 15th or three months, whichever is the later date. So in most cases, if you sign in July, beginning of August, it's usually a December 15th date is their restriction uh, to be traded. If they signed in July, Later in this, uh, later in the off season, October into November. Once the season started, then it would just kick as three months um, from there. But as far as uh, this situation goes, that's something that's going to have to be collectively bargained for when those trade restrictions are. I mean, right now you have some guys where whether they have restrictions or, um, you know, the trade exceptions, right. any of that stuff, anything with or a deadline dates, it yeah. guaranteed dates, any of those things with a deadline has to be collectively bargained to be shifted back because of everything, um, cascades from one thing to another. So in the event of this, we'll have to see what the trade restrictions would be. Is it going to be three months? Is it going to be a certain, uh, aspect of a date that they come up with. So it, it it could affect a lot, especially when it comes down to the trade deadline.
1: What do you think is going to happen with the salary cap? How, how, how should we as a website that deals with the salary cap be projecting the 2020-2021 NBA season? And oh, by the way, everything you just said, are you assuming an 82 game season still for next year? Mm, if it starts on know. Christmas day, I mean, they're certainly not going to squeeze more games into the normal timeline. <laughs> I mean, they, with this load management structure, could you well, imagine that the, ha- the the kickback? So are they I, planning on going like through June with a regular season next year?
0: You, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. What I think might be the answer is Yes for the fact that this may allow them to rotate the schedule as they've sort of have wanted to. And this may just be the reason for them to do so where they can go further into summer, have uh, an off season later, maybe flip the draft and free agency if they wanted to go that route. So those, those drafted players are actually being uh, wearing hats that they're going to and not, I was thinking about
1: this. I was thinking about this because the only competition in July really is baseball. And right. baseball kind of owns that July 4th setting, but not really. I mean, that's sort of the all-star break leading up around mm-hmm. there. It's fun. It, I love it, but I am I'm, I don't think there's a huge population that follows that kind of thing. If I mentioned this in the open, Scott, and I know you and I have talked about it too. If there's some sort of creative twist on the announcement made Friday from Adam Silver that includes, uh, you know, maybe a a play a single elimination play in tournament for the, the the nine to 12 seeds or the eight to 12 seeds, uh, and then some sort of March madness style tournament from thereafter, right? If there's some sort of twist that they love that just works out gangbusters, TV you know promotion loves it. It's a production win and, and they run their regular season through June next year. They could then take this little play in tournament. And make it the July Fourth special, and it becomes an annual tradition. It's something we all hang our hat on every July Fourth. There's going to be a 18 team single elimination NBA tournament, and the, and the top two teams that win that tournament go into the actual postseason that continues on from there, and then the rest of the postseason runs through July, and then August first could be your new, you know, August fifteenth maybe becomes your new league year free agent date or whatever it's going to be. Um, I, I think, I think. More than any other sport right now that is discussing uh, get back plans, the NBA could really blow us away with some creative thinking, some creative production, and it's things that could last. I think they are trying to do this on the fly, but also trying to do this with the notion of this. What can we do right now? You mentioned it with baseball. Throw in everything. Throw in the whole kitchen sink. Whatever your dream is to change baseball, do it. I think Adam Silver's doing it right now behind closed doors 12 hours a day for the last two weeks, and I think he's going to announce something that is going to be long-lasting.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that because for the fact that they've been silent for so long, and on top of it, he's been wanting to change the format of the playoffs. He's uh, had pressure um, to as well. That too, but uh, by shifting the schedule, it may – Yeah. It may alleviate the fact of doing some mid season tournament or
1: right. Uh, That's what I'm saying be, too. Because, make it a because postseason tournament.
0: Yeah. Make it a postseason tournament. But like you said, if you shift more into July, you're not going up against the NHL playoffs. You're not going up against um in you know, NFL draft and off season kind of stuff. You, you, you like you said all you're really going to go up against is baseball. And then for those that follow NASCAR, NASCAR is still going at that point. Too. Yeah, and golf. And golf. But they could really, I mean, as far as the the viewership, you would own July and into the beginning of August if you wanted to outside of baseball. Especially so,
1: if it's creative, like I'm mentioning. Especially if there's mm-hmm, right. a, a, a big gambling you know, friendly tournament, which I really think that's common.
0: (laughs) Well, and on top of it, think of the the markets we're talking about. A lot of the markets that we're talking about have baseball and they have basketball. So if they were able to shift, they could work with baseball when the schedules come out and say baseball has a one o'clock game on that day and basketball has a,
1: Oh Scott, I've been, I've done it. Game. I've done it in Cleveland. I've done a baseball basketball doubleheader in Cleveland with, with, with the Cavs and but the I'm Indies. saying it's
0: right. But I'm saying into, into, into the summer more so than just May and May and June, you're dead of summer where right. you're going to get downtown. It'll help,
1: meaning it'll help baseball. Right. Yes. I, I completely, agree, as a fan who's done it, I completely agree with that. The multi-sport doubleheader is awesome as a fan. So uh, yes, I could absolutely see that happening. You, you would drive sports interest into areas where maybe it falls off in the dog it, days of baseball.
0: Well, and on top of it, if the leagues work together, they, it, not even the leagues. <laughs> God just forbid. the teams work together. If the teams work together, say the uh, 76ers and the Phillies work together as a doubleheader and you have some kind of promotional discount because you bought two tickets for each of the games or something, you know, they could they could really think outside the box in those cases. Sure.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Let's get into some of these players. I know you got a lot here. Go ahead.
0: Well, let me let me go back to your original question because I don't think I answered it. Well, how we're handling the cap right now with the league is. $115 $115 million was the original projected cap. So we've left the site as is until we know for sure where things are going to be. So for for numbers purposes, we're just basing everything off of the 115 as of right now. Um, like we've talked in the past, it could be that they freeze the salary cap at the $109 million, Or I'm hearing even Woj last week, um, he – reported that some execs think the cap will actually just decrease between 25 and 30 million. So what? there's a huge discrepancy between where the cap is actually going to go. Wait, they don't meaning know- 25
1: million lo- less than the 109 it is right now? Right. That would be so damaging to this sport.
0: It it and here's how damaging it would be. I mean, if I'm I I've made the spreadsheet here. Golden State Warriors right now, if it was at 115 million, they would be about 34 million over the cap. If it stays at the 109, they would be almost 40 million over the cap. But if it goes down about 25 million, they'd be 65 million dollars over the cap. Which when you translate that. Their luxury tax is going to be north of $150 million. Right. And how do you take care of that? Tax?
1: How do you take care of that?
0: Yeah, exactly. You so, tr- you've
1: got to treat your teams better than that. It's the same conversation I just had about baseball, where the owners are just destroying the players right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at these numbers as well. I, I, don't, I don't know where we go from here. To me, the logical answer, and the reason I brought it up in the first place, is that, I think the smartest approach, and I understand that they might take a bath on it for a year, is just to leave the cap alone. Just just make it unchanged, keep it at 109.1, and understand that there's going to be less revenue earned in 21, but that it's this is the reason I think it's possible to do this here more than any other sport. Because they're gonna find other revenue. I just went off on a rant about how MLB owners need to dig down and hire marketing companies and figure out how to make money. Figure, you know what I mean? Figure out how to make money to be able to pay your players because that's what they should be doing right now rather than complaining about the fact that they're losing $6 billion in revenue. We, we, it's terrible. We're all dealing with stuff like that. It's terrible. But they have such a platform to be able to go and generate revenue in other avenues. That is why I am hopeful that Adam Silver is, is thinking like that. And oh, by the way, the answer to all your problems is Gambling. It's the answer. We all want to bet on you. We all want to spend the money we don't have on your sports, right? So give us a really easy, friendly way to do it, and you will make so much more money back, I promise you. Stop worrying about how we used to do things and start embracing the the, the ways that are available to them right now. Adam Silver is connected to, to tons of casinos right now. He has this league primed and ready to go with Vegas, and I know he's connected to DraftKings, and I'm speaking to the NBA specifically. I believe it's MGM, right? Is that the casino that, that's officially tied to the NBA?
0: I think so. It really doesn't matter. I right. If I'm
1: wrong on that, I apologize. But I know there's a, there's a, there's a legitimate casino, a legitimate sports book, and, and for certain DraftKings that are connected to this league. And if this is a TV show, which at least for the next eight months, it's going to be, maybe longer, Give us a reason to gamble on it. That's how you make your money, and that's yeah. how you sustain. And I, and I really want these leagues to do th- as good a job as possible of sustaining where we are right now because taking a bath has so many ramifications for the next three to four yeah. to five years.
0: Yeah, you, you make a great point with that. And we talked about baseball and how they have a really good uh, streaming service. We the did. The at and and NBA needs to increase that, but uh, if they if they were able to do a simulcast where they uh, fix their NBA League Pass, but open it up and include some kind of in bedded gambling system right while you're watching those games, you, you would probably, even if they open it up for free and the, for the remainder of the season or all for next (laughs) season and the gambling is just there and you're betting on live, who is he going to make this free throw right inside of the NBA league pass app? Then that's exactly what I'm talking about,
1: Scott. That is where so much of the world already is. And the sports just have to catch up to it. And now's the perfect time. Now, now you is. need it, you need it, and it's right there for you. And you already have the partnerships. Get this kind of stuff done. That stuff is exactly what I'm referencing. And oh, by the way, include fantasy stuff there too.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 this past season, they just included yeah. a, a, a button where you can overlay stats and see the stats live and see who's on the court. And who's not, and and all of that. So they're getting there, but it's not completely there. And like we, like I just said, they, they could really take it to the next level if they went that route. And and as far as the cap is concerned, I mean, whether it it goes down to stays at the 109 or goes down even further, I mean, it's going to hamper the amount of uh, money that is going to be spent in free agency and on top of it, everything right now with the collective bargaining is affected by the cap.
1: Yep, percentages of the cap, right?
0: Maximum salaries are percentages of the cap, 25%, 30%, 35%. Your minimum salaries are based on a percentage of the cap. So whether it goes up or down affects that. Any exceptions, the rookie scale. So in the event that that the the cap technically goes down you're, you may have rookies making less than rookies that made last year. Will it affect current
1: room. rookie well like will Zion Williamson make less next year than he was anticipating or is that already locked in?
0: That's already locked in outside of if they make them uh, lose another you know 25 percent of their cash or yeah. whatever route they go. But right now for simplistic purposes, he's locked in for what he's at but extensions that have been signed last year Mm -hmm. leading up into this year. And we went through this before, but guys like Pascal Siakam, Jamal Murray, Ben Simmons, they all signed extensions ahead of time. And so their money is actually affected based on this upcoming cap, whether it stays the same or goes down. So uh, the, their um, maximum salary to start the season is currently at 29 just over 29 million dollars if it stayed the same it would go down to 27.3 million dollars and then if it went down even further it would go even lower than that yeah Um, so in some cases it it can affect some guys pretty substantially
1: And, and and it ruins all five of their salaries because then their percentage increase from there, right? So the starting salary get yeah. starts lower, and then every salary after that starts lower as well because of the incremental. So that's the problem with working percentages. That's, I mean, this is the problem right here. It, it relies solely on the revenue of the league and in situations like this, and this is why it's so important for the league to, to, to plateau and not go under in terms of this cap number, I just think for the, uh, for the integrity of this financial structure, the one that they all agreed to and, and for the most part has been successful, they can't, they can't show its weaknesses right here. They have got to hold tight and get creative about how to create revenue in other places to make up the differences wherever possible.
0: Yeah, that that's a great point because if you think of uh, Jalen Brown, he signed an extension as well, but his was not based on the percentage of the cap. So he you're better off than years. not having gone max. You're right. Right. He went four years, 107 million. So his starting salary next season's at twenty two eight. Oh. So it's locked in as that. It's not fluctuating based on I, I I'd be interested to see if there, where things go as far as contract writing is in the event of, is there, say they're eligible for twenty five percent of the cap,
1: is or there a floor? Is there a, yeah, is there a
0: floor that it cannot go below?
1: These are all things so, that I, I guarantee you agencies are starting to get in place right now if they don't already because these kind of situations, yes, they're unique and rare, but they exist. They exist. <laughs> Yep. Um and it is the it is the flaw in the current NBA CBA that's for sure. Okay, let's let's uh let's go players first and then we'll okay. dive into some interesting teams with, with, potentially this off cuz I think one one hand will kind of feed the other here. Yeah, well, I don't know how we don't start with Anthony Davis. Um obviously he'll be the he could be the entire off season's discussion or none <laughs> based on what yeah. he does here. Mm-hmm, um Right. What what are you hearing? What do you think? What is the current status for Anthony Davis? What are his options? Just kind of lay out Anthony Davis in a nutshell here for us.
0: Yeah, so he's got a player option for 28.75 million so he can either opt in and take that money. He can opt out and then if he opts out, he's a free uh, unrestricted free agent so he can sign with the Lakers and he can sign using bird rights and sign being over the cap, which the Lakers will be, or you could technically go to another team if he chose to. I I don't foresee that happening because he wanted to go to the Lakers to be with LeBron. Um, So he can, he could sign with another team if he chose to Uh, in this case, you know, if he's signed with the Lakers and the cap stayed the same, he would sign at 30% of the cap, which would be about 32.7 million and then go from there. Uh, if he went to another team, he could sign at that amount if they have cap space. But obviously, if the there's going to be far and few between teams to do so. Um, third scenario would be does a sign and trade and goes to another team again at that 32-7 starting point and then 5% up from there. But I don't I don't know if Anthony Davis knows what he is going to do right now because he doesn't know where the cap is going to be. So if me, the cap falls, let's talk about enough,
1: that, Scott, let's talk about it because I think it's a global discussion here with really any player we, we talk about. Is anyone going to sign a long-term deal?
0: No, I, I don't think so because of the fact that they, nobody knows what the future outlook is going to be. I think we're going to see a lot of one year short-term deals um, because especially, not percentage based, but I mean, team players and teams just don't know where things are going to be. They can model as much as they want, but this is uncharted waters for them. So the models that they do are going to be extreme guesses as far as the amount of revenue that they're going to kick in um, and then any TV deals in the future. But it's short term, I don't foresee players locking in for four or five years um, because you don't know where things are going to go. And not just that,
1: but the starting point is going to be lower than expected on the percentage-based contract. And you you can somewhat assume that it would be better in 2021.
0: Maybe. 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 Right. You don't want to lock in, say, a four year 30 percent where that first year salary is based on this year's cap, the 2020 cap. And you have four more years and then your your money, that cap may go up astronomically in two or three years. I, I guess that's what I'm thinking. And, you're lo- and then you're stuck locked in. Whereas in Davis's case, maybe he does a one in one or something like that. And then he can re up to, to assess where that cap is in two, three years out, and then get back to where they would have been pre-shutdown. Is, the is, is there any
1: other advantage to him opting out and doing a one and one outside of the million and a half more it would be for next year's salary? Is there any kind of rights or benefit to the Lakers? or It's just more money, right?
0: More money. I mean, they already they already have his rights because they traded for him. So his rights transferred with him at that trade. Is he better
1: off being an expiring contract, though, versus having the player option on the one and one? Going into 2021, I'm talking about. I'm just trying to figure out why he would accept that player option if he would.
0: uh, I I think just pushing it down the road. Is what for, it would be for doing. less money,
1: though. For less money,
0: yeah. I mean, like I said.
1: Although, if the cap he, drops, it's okay. So let me ask this question then: If the cap drops too low, but w- will he know the 2021 cap figure before he has to make a decision on his option? And when is the decision on that option with yeah, this with this timeline?
0: These options are usually due by in if normal cases June 29th. And then July 1, June 30, July 1 is usually when the league sends out how much it's going to be Their Their projections have been really close recently. So usually within that June 29th to July 1st range, the values are starting to come out and the teams know what the cap is going to be at. So it it's going to be again in everything with the NBA going to be very important. It's going to be very, very
1: important, important. For, for players like Anthony Davis to know because if the cap is dropping $25 million, he's obviously opting in.
0: <laughs> obviously. Uh, not, not only him, but yeah,
1: half 10 the other players yeah.
0: are, <laughs> and opting in at that point so too. That's
1: an absolute must-know uh, bullet point of information for a lot of these leagues. Um, okay. All right. I think we're good on him. I, I, I don't think either of us think he's leaving. I think it's going to be semantics. It's going to be mathematics as to what he does.
0: Yeah. Um, and like I said, he, they have his birds, right? So yeah. they can sign him and be over. It doesn't matter what the amount is going to be at this point. It's just, it, it's all about the timing of when and if. He, and I think we saw
1: enough of LeBron and AD on the court to understand that it's going to work. Yeah. Um, certainly we'll see what the next couple of months bears out, but I, I don't understand why he would take, I mean, unless they're forcing him to take less than max, which I guess that's a small possibility but not really. Uh, That would be one point of contention. Here's what I want to lay out real quick before we move on. In 2014, the NBA salary cap was $63 million. It jumped $7 million to 70. Then it jumped $24 million to 94 between 15 and 16. That's obviously with the new CBA, the new TV money, right? That was the big balloon, the burst. Yeah, but then it jumped 5 million, which was a nice number. Then just 2 leading mm-hmm. up to 2018, and this past year 8. I understand that there's a formula for it and that they calculate it based on revenue and that it, it it fluctuates with TV deals and a lot of the international stuff really matters. That's why the Houston Houston/China story was so big to start the year. They're kicking themselves, right? We talked about this quite a lot over the past couple of years on this podcast about how there was going to be a burst. I didn't think this would be the reason for that burst, but there, but these salaries were expediting so fast because the cap was doing as, as, as such that there was going mm-hmm. to be a breaking point. I, I have to think we're here. And that's why that you're hearing Woj say things like a $25 million cap drop. Do you know what that comes from? That comes from two or three years where they jumped the cap between eight and 15 million. I mean, that's just... And and it's reckless to some degree. You could have just formulated this. You could have just said, "We're going to keep this on a seven seven million dollar increase every year, and uh, if we have to account for something, we'll do it. If we and if we can't, we won't." But they kicked themselves yep. instead of instead of holding some things in reserve, they just kind of let the math bear out. And this past year, where they went eight million, that's reckless. They didn't need to do that. No.
0: Yeah. I, the. MLB competitive uh, tax balance, that's all set. Slotted, slotted. Yeah, same situation. So, um, yeah, I I think you're right because now if you're going to – if it happens to drop drastically and then it has to come back up again, we may see uh, they are probably kicking themselves because you have players in – $40, $42 40, $42 million that's going to be taking up half of so, the so cap. So let
1: me piggyback on that because I, that's a point I left out when we brought it up, of course. But not only are you all over the place with your cap increases, but the cap increases actually matter to the salaries. It's not just more space for teams to use when you're talking about these elite players and maybe there's some collusion to this, I don't know, maybe I'm naive to this, <laughs> you know, maybe there are certain yeah. years where LeBron needed a max contract or I, and I'm just, you know, I'm being a kid on the street here, but every increase increases the max salary that for that year. And when there are players looking for max contracts or rookie extensions and blah, 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 there are, there's a legitimate one-to-one relationship between how much money those players will earn versus how much the league is, is allowing teams to spend. That is even more reason to have a slotted value, in my opinion, yeah. because then, then there's no chance for collusion conspiracy theories like I'm saying here. Then, then we all know what it's going to be. You can budget accordingly. When your contract's up in four years, here's what the max, cap max is going to be. You can do the 35% math, math on that, and you know what your salary is going to be. I, I think this is one of the biggest problems to bring into this whole conversation as a whole. Because they've been up and down, back and forth, left and right with these cap numbers. And, and like I said, there's no reason. If the cap was allowed to jump $24 million with, the new, with that new CBA, they could have easily tempered that and started to keep some things in reserve, some keep some things in petty, so that there is a chance to trickle down when necessary, like we need it yep. right now. We need a trickle down right now, and there's nothing there to yeah. do it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I believe if I remember correctly, back when that huge spike happened, it was either that or do some kind of cap smoothing. Yeah, They opted to not do the cap smoothing. They just went, I guess that's what that, I'm saying.
1: Gradually. And the releases.
0: consequence and the consequence of that was Durant was able to sign with the Warriors. <laughs> so collusion. And, so if, if there's a, if it ends up being sort of a cap reset, I mean, I, I just looked here this season, tw- this 2019 season, there was one player with $40 million. Uh, 2020, we're up to six players that will have $40 million or more. And it's only going to go up from there with some of these contracts. Yeah, I we're mean, only three years Dam- away
1: from $50 million. That's
0: right. A- and s- some of these contracts, like Damian Lillard, hasn't even kicked in yet. So, you know, and then 2021, we're at eight players with 40 or more. So, and if that cap goes down, at least for one year, I mean, that's one player who essentially is eating up 50% of that league cap, essentially, even though with the rights they can go over, but you're right. This, this is going to be uh, something that, the league is going to have to look at to see moving forward when the new deal comes up. Do we have to have some sort of uh, I mean, the more I sit here and think about smoothing. it and stew on
1: it, Scott, it's astronomical that you have a league that has slotted percentage based c- contracts, but sliding cap, <laughs> but a sliding yeah. cap, uh, but a, a completely arbitrary whatever we make. We, we give back to the team's cap. That's bonkersville. That is bonkers. There, there is so much room for for well, theories in that.
0: Well, and that's interesting that you, when you say if you already knew the slotted, say you knew the slotted out for the next 10 years, yeah. say the CBA was signed for 10 years and they slotted the cap for 10 years, you would already know what the maximum salaries yeah. are. What three, Zion's going to get. Exactly. years out, and yeah. you could budget accordingly. <laughs> yeah ahead of time yeah. and say no I want cap space in x year because a there's a lot of free agents and b our rookies are going to hit at that point yeah it it it's it a makes problem sense.
1: it's a problem okay yeah. we are we're getting long winded here let's roll through some players quickly and then get out of here uh, it's 95 degrees here i got to get outside and do some work <laughs> um, trade possibilities because Uh, okay, let's, let's mesh these two conversations together. Outright trades players that Mm -hmm. are under contract right now that I think might get moved versus sign in trades, which I think may rule the day. We saw a lot of it last year. We saw a lot of it two years ago. I think it's going to be even bigger and better this year. Some decent names on that list. Run me down your top three trade candidates, just outright trades starting with a guy in your neck of the woods.
0: Yeah. Bradley Beal. I mean, everyone knows, he was going to be the coveted player to be traded at the trade deadline until he signed that extension. And with that extension, he was unable to be traded for the remainder of the season. So obviously that's still in lieu because the season isn't over yet. Um, and, but what's interesting with Beal is John Wall is going to be back I mean I just read an article that was posted <laughs> he's ready now uh, this morning he's a he says he's 110 percent he's still rehabbing but he is ready to go so can those two players work as a team together and still like each other they say they do they say they're they, they've sort of mended uh, the issues that have been in the past so this it may be advantageous to Washington to keep them for the 2020 season and because it may be a shortened season um, and, and see how that goes on top of it. They had a lot of young players that got playing time and did really well. They were really melding. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know he, if they'll trade him. He says he wants to remain there. For the listeners here, his 2020 salary will be 28.7. His extension kicks in at 2021, which would be 34.5. And then 2022, he has a player option for 37.3. Again, who knows where the cap's going to be at that point? He may opt in at that point because it may be low and he may be above it, or he uh, may may opt out. Time will tell on that, but he is definitely going to be the coveted trade option for a lot of teams. Once 2020 actually comes up and
1: can I give you the team? I think it's going to happen to, do you have one? Maybe we're thinking of the same thing here. I have a team and a player that, that Washington acquires.
0: Mm, Who I don't,
1: it's a team that did a ton of damage last off season And injuries kind of downplayed what they did. And they they expect to be contenders next season because of the players that they acquired. And if they acquire Beal to be the third cog in the wheel, it's pretty much all systems go. The Nets. I I think the Nets push to acquire Bradley Beal and they give up Karis Levert for it because Karis Levert just got signed himself a rookie extension, which is somewhat cost-controlled from a Washington standpoint. I mean, if they're giving away upwards of 25 million plus on Beal. They can get Karis Levert at 16.2 million next year. He's a heck of a player. He's definitely an up and coming player. He kind of lost his role when Kyrie Irving was on the court there, which tends to happen with people who play with Kyrie Irving, (laughs) but Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal. That's an, that's an OMG right there, right? That's a, that's a pretty nice little starting point for the New Jersey nets. Sorry, the Brooklyn nets. That's a slap (laughs) on me. The Brooklyn nets. Um, I think yeah, that's I think a real possibility uh, because they've got I the player. I think th- they want to move Dinwiddie. I think they would move Levert in a situation where it would be Beal. They want to move Joe Harris. The, these are guys on our list right here. These are not you know coming out of nowhere. Dinwiddie's probably gone. I think Joe Harris is probably gone on a sign and trade. And if, like I said, if you're getting Beal instead of Levert, you do it. You do that because you're in a win now situation. So... To me, that's, that's the team to watch. Bradley Beal is easily the, 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 the focal point of any kind of trade conversation. I know teams like Houston will be involved, and I know the big boys out west will be involved, but I think Brooklyn will push hard, and they've got the pieces yeah, to do it.
0: But I, I think Washington is going to absolutely have to be blown away by whatever package it is because, like I said, if with Wall coming back, if the two of them can gel like they have, well, not like they have because they <laughs> have had issues in the past, but if they can really gel, Washington is in the ninth seed, I believe, in the east right now, uh, So, and that's without Wall. So if he, he comes right. back, they they could be upwards in that four, five, six seed um, slugfest there. So, again,
1: time will tell. Trading Wall Saves them enough money, I think, to sign, re-sign Davis Bertans, and also include him with with Karis LeVert. And if that's the lineup you're starting with, and you throw John Wall and what should be 30 plus points a game again back into that conversation, I think you analytically have enough manpower to replace Bradley Beal. You have you have youth, you have, and it's less and it's less money, which that's intriguing to a team like Washington right now, I'm sure, because what they're having to pay Wall to not play is astronomical. So I think there's a there's a world where they will be blown away because the big boys will come swinging for Bradley Beal. They did it last year before he signed. They're going to come yeah. back again now that he's av- available to be traded. The offers will be big. It'll be multiple picks, and it'll be a legitimate player or two, and I think Levert is that kind of starting point on a trade. So that's the one to watch from a trade standpoint for me, and we've, we've mentioned a couple of players in there already. Here's the other one I want to talk to because, to me, these are these are intriguing teams. I think the Nets are crazy intriguing we know Golden State's going to have their say in a lot of it. Maybe the number one overall pick, maybe another big trade. You know, does the Andrew Wiggins experiment work out? We don't know. The 76ers, they, <laughs> they do not lack interest. That's for sure. They they made a big splash last year. They did extend Ben Simmons. Joe Embiid is already under a contract on his extension They moved on from Jimmy Butler. They paid Tobias Harris for some ungodly reason, and they brought in Al Horford, which sounded great, and now it sounds terrible. To me, Al Horford has got to go. I don't know if you can send Al Horford an $81.5 million out the door right now. What are they doing with that? Does Boston want him back? Boston can't afford that. They want to sign Jalen Brown, and they're going to have to sign Tatum in 18 months. I mean, what are they going to do here with Al Horford?
0: Well, they already have Brown locked up, but Tatum is the next man. Oh, that's right. They gave Brown
1: the extension at the end, last hour there.
0: Yeah, uh, I I don't know. Philly is an interesting case all around because <laughs> yeah. I mean we've had we've had this conversation for the last nine months. What do you do with Embiid? What do you do with? Simmons? Yeah, I don't think anybody's now,
1: off the table. Do you? I think they're I, all no. trade on the trade block.
0: I I completely agree with that. I mean, if Philadelphia can get the right. Amount of picks, assets, players, whatever you would get. You know, if I'm a GM, I'm I'm calling to find out which ones available and let's see what we can do to make it happen. Um,
1: you no, know it's funny though, Scott. We're t- we're saying this on May 27th, which is when we would normally be talking about NBA off season. I mean, yeah. this is normal protocol for us. It is. But they might they very might damn well go and win the the East in the they next could. six weeks. I mean, yeah. that's a team that if they figure it out and they're all healthy, which they better be now, they could go win the East and be in the finals with the Lakers. And then there's no way that they're moving too many of these pieces at that point. No. I still think, here's what I did. The reason I put Al Horford on our list here is because I think it's I think it's championship protected. I think even if they win the championship, Al Horford is on the trade block. He's a piece that they just don't want to pay anymore, even though they just started paying him last year or this year, Um I I just think they know it's a swing and a miss. I think Horford is past his prime. Can they eat some of this salary to move him?
0: Only if they buy him out. That's it, right? (laughs) I mean,
1: there's no, there's no retained cash in the NBA. Like there is in these other leagues.
0: No, there's not. I mean, you can attach cash up to a certain amount in a trade, but no, they can't say I'm going to eat 50% of that. Man, oh man, what a mess. There, there is there is um uh, they're not
1: buying out eighty one and a half million right that's that's too much
0: no definitely not I mean I don't want to say definitely not they could <laughs> and stretch it but that's crazy amount of money to have to keep on your books for forever yeah but there is i mean his um 2022 salary is only fourteen and a half million guaranteed if he makes the finals in the 2020 season or 2021 season or the, tw- <laughs> um, it, it becomes fully, fully guaranteed? guaranteed. Oh no. So, uh, he has a, a finals protection there if, if you want to call it that. So, so he, he's maybe we need to if, take him if, <laughs> off
1: the trade block. I don't even know if that's a movable contract right now. Okay. Rapid fire here. We've got a bunch of sign signing trades. Just give me a yes or a no. Are they signed and traded or are they let to walk to free agency or or are they re-signed? I guess it's not a yes or no. It's one of those options. <laughs> are they signed and traded? Are they let to walk or are they re-signed with their current club? Danilo Gallinari.
0: Yeah. I. What yeah, does OKC one, do as a whole? I, that that was one of my interesting teams that I had. OKC. What, who are they? What are they doing? Because they have Chris Paul Um I mean, they if have 97 Gallinari first round rumored. picks,
1: right? They could essentially replace him in the next couple of drafts.
0: Yeah, they they were, you know, he was rumored at the trade deadline. If I had to say, he's probably going to go, and they'll probably sign and trade to get something. And if they make a fool of me and re-sign him, then so be it. But I, I out I agree. of all the players, I think he is the probably the highest candidate for a sign and trade. I
1: agree because I believe he's Plan B for a lot of Bradley Beal suitors. He is. That's exactly how I, I, I treat him. Goran Drogic, Miami's, Miami's yeah. in the same boat as OKC for me. I have no idea who they are, and I don't think they know either. But if they go and win the East, then they know who they and, are, I
0: guess. Again, he was rumored at the trade deadline. Yeah. I'm going to say he's going to be assigned in trade because Miami will get back what they can you for do. him.
1: And- See, I, d- I don't think so, Scott. I really don't think so. I, I, I think the point guard is about to get devalued pretty heavily here in the next couple of years. It's one of those things I've been keeping an eye on. Uh, a non-scoring guard is going to be watered down pretty well here. I know Georgia can play ball, but I wonder if there's not a market for him. I wonder if he didn't get moved because there isn't a market.
0: But again, keep in mind, depending on where the cap is, there's almost no cap space for him to really be signed. So with that, depending on where the cap ends up, a sign and trade would allow them to trade him, sign a value and be traded so using, it's going to have to be a crazy right. cost
1: control contract then in order to be able to move it.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, but it, it's doable with the sign and trade aspect.
1: Fair enough. You're right.
0: Outright, outright signing and have to sign him with cap space or an, an, an exception. Uh, a yeah. Mid-level exception or something. But that's why I say I think, if anything, he is going to be a sign and trade.
1: Kings are really interesting. I think Buddy Heald might be on the trade block, even though he just signed a $94 million contract. And Bogdanovich, another shooter right yeah. there. I mean, we've got shooters on this list for sure. They're going to be teams that want shooters. Gallinari, Bogdanovich, those kind of players, Bertans. I'm I, i uh, I'm 50-50 on him because I don't know who the Kings are. I don't know if they, they can stand the Kings, to lose him, no. right?
0: <laughs> I don't think the Kings know who they are, what they want to do. He was offered an extension. He has not signed it. He's you know, he's probably one that could be a sign and trade to get picks back or I think he signs
1: and then he waits to the deadline. That's my pick. I think he signs because I think the Kings offer him more than his agent goes and tries to figure out other places would. And and
0: again, possibly because of that cap, he just, like you said, he signs because he's not going to get be able to get anything higher outside of a sign and trade. So, okay.
1: Tristan Thompson.
0: Yeah, it, very interesting, especially on that Cavs team. I mean, they have Love. They've got uh, Andre Drummond now. Yep. So, but as I was going through this, the amount of bigs. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know who is going to want to sign. And who trade needs a it? Big. Yeah. Or who needs a big? Yeah. Uh, Cleveland has plenty of them. So, uh, I, I really don't know if they let him walk or if they try to do some kind of sign and trade. But I think. A lot is going to be based on what happens with Drummond, if he opts in or not. I which think he probably will. They tried
1: like heck to trade him at the deadline. And yep. for everything you just said, there wasn't interest enough to do it. And for that, teams know that Cleveland wants out, they don't want him back, and they're just going to force them to let him walk.
0: You know, and I, and I would not be shocked if that's the case. And then for some reason he goes and signs with an exception or a minimum base salary to the Lakers or something like that to play with LeBron again, because LeBron was high on him. So, I mean, he got, he got paid this year got had that contract that he had the extension, which a lot of people balked at from the get go. So, um, yeah.
1: Okay. Good stuff. Anyone else on this list you want to talk about? Kyle Lowry is kind of interesting. Toronto's, I mean, again, an Eastern an Eastern Conference favorite here, even without Kawhi. Uh, yeah, he, he is He's older, though. He's older.
0: He, he had the one-year $30 million extension, so the caveat with him is because of when he signed that extension, he can't be traded until <laughs> October 7th, which obviously could get pushed back because of collective bargaining or it may stay locked in as is just depends on how the situation goes forward with all that stuff. So he's one that is in that boat of may or may not, depending on where that threshold is. I think Toronto likes where they are right now. So they may just keep Lowry for the, uh, for that one year and, and go from there. Um, like I said, there's a lot of bigs out there. Got Hassan Whiteside. I think that's an (laughs) interesting one. I know there's a lot of people that aren't high on him, but I bring him up because Nurkic had that injury and had been out all year. He's going to come back. So does same situation as Tristan
1: Thompson, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it it really is. Do you sign and trade? But again, he's a big, so who's going to want him? People were surprised that he was moved from Miami to begin with. Yeah. So, I don't know what his situation is going to be moving forward, but I put his name on here because of the similar situation to Thompson. Um, Yeah. And and outside of the players for final thoughts here, other, I mean, we mentioned Oklahoma city, who do they think they are? Chris Paul is uh, on a quote unquote 2020 contract year because he has a 2021 player option at 44 million, which you would probably opt in at Steven Adams is on a contract year for 2020 as well. So where is Oklahoma city going to go? They've got a lot yeah. of draft assets, but who are they? And that's where I said with Gallinari uh, because they have Schroeder and they have uh, SGA. So are they going to just let Adams and try to move Paul keep Paul? So I think that team moving forward is very interesting. If
1: I had to guess on that, just to kind of wrap up all on OKC, I think they package one of those first rounders to get Adams out the door.
0: Yeah. I think Adams is the
1: piece that probably needs to move now because Paul has shown that he can lead this kind of this group of kids and there's going to be more kids as they continue to draft players with these picks. I, uh, I think that's probably the right move. You just kind of get Paul to the finish line and then let him pick how he wants to finish his career. But to me, you can't keep paying Steven Adams at, at the cost he has. And and keep your, I mean, they're over the threshold almost every single year. They're just, they're so close to it. And they they don't have really the wins to back it up. So mm-hmm. I think, again, I think you, you get smart with some of those first rounders and you, you find a team who will take on Adam's contract and, and wants a couple of first rounders to go with it or something like that. But they, they got to yeah, clean house a little bit.
0: They do. But like I said, in, in, with 2020, 2021, we don't know where that cap is going to be. Yeah. Again, we're going to see more of these signing trades at free agency. I think the other interesting team that we really haven't mentioned is New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. Uh, you got Ingram, who's a restricted free agent. So do they re-sign him at a max or at thereof? Yeah. Do, do you think offer sheets the- are going to
1: happen in this kind of crazy little offseason? Well, we generally see a few every year, right? Do-
0: you do, but those teams have to have cap space right. to sign them. Right. So if there's no teams with cap space, you aren't going to have any teams putting in offers for so them. So it's
1: basically the Hawks or nobody.
0: Hawks, the Pistons, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe Charlotte, but that's about it. So again, he could potentially do a sign and trade facilitation. Boy, I don't know. Brandon said he wants to move on. Ingram on the
1: Hawks team sounds pretty good now that I think about it.
0: But. Who are the Pelicans? Yes, they are Zion Williamson at this point, but Drew Holiday has a player option in 2021. So do they move on from him early? Do they keep him? Uh, He's always been rumored in the past of potentially being moved as an asset. So do they bring some more stuff in to get in some younger players or Something to go around Williamson on top of Ingram. We saw the growth of Ingram. So I think that team is really interesting from a team building standpoint and to see Lonzo's
1: Lonzo's extension eligible after this this year finishes. Right? This this is his third year. Yeah. So yeah. he'll he'll be rookie extension eligible as well this offseason.
0: hmm Yeah, sort of like Jalen Brown.
1: he'll, he'll yep. for sure demand that. Wow.
0: Yeah, I think the last team to uh, mention in is Golden State because they're <laughs> they're interesting all around. Whether it's financial team building, we sort of mentioned them in the beginning here. Yeah, they hold all, they the have, they, uh, all, all the keys. They all the keys because they they could potentially have a top lottery pick. And what do you do with it? Do you trade it? Do you go for Zion or um, for Giannis? Do, do you do Try to do that and see if you can per- swing a deal. Do you use the pick and take a top player, which a lot of those players are players that not a lot of people know. Um, so they're obviously doing their homework on them right now. What do you do with Wiggins? Do you package him in that trade with that with the pick? Uh, or is it too early to even tell if he's going to work out? Do you get if there is a shortened season in 2020, do you just play it out and see? Because from what it sounds like, Golden State isn't going to be coming in and playing in any postseason or anything.
1: No, they're done.
0: What it sounds like. So it sounds like they're done. So do you wait and see in 2020 and then move them at the trade deadline? Um, and then again, they're already at one hundred and forty eight million dollars in in cap for the 2020 season, regardless of what the cap is maximum is going to be. So what do they do as far as players? They have a bunch on non-guaranteed salaries. Are they going to move those and then sign guys at even lower minimums, depending on where the cap and the minimum are at at that point. So I find them extremely interesting. And then the last point is, as we mentioned at the very beginning, their luxury tax is going to be astronomical if the cap drops. (laughs) And we've never seen anything like that. I mean, we talked about it back when Oklahoma City had to pay a lot, but we're talking almost double of what they potentially would have had to pay when they had the Carmelo Anthony and all those guys um, uh, on the books. So, yeah, a lot there. It'll be interesting to see how things play out, but a lot of interesting stories.
1: Let's finish on this, kind of wrap a bow. We talked about all these big guys that can't find a home. Golden State kind of needs a center. I mean, they're working with Chris right now. Kevon Looney is injured. Uh, He may be available now, but I believe it was only a one-year deal for him anyway. I'm not looking at the Warriors cap table right now, but that's really the only because, because here's what it is otherwise, and these players are all signed certainly through next year. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green and kind of an X at the center position. So, yep. so if they feel like, and they should feel like, that those four right there are contending, they should be, and they just need to add a, a, a legitimate center, they could be involved in one of these sign and trades for a player, one of these big men that need to go out there and get a couple, couple million, you know, maybe a two, three year contract on a sign and trade, and work, and play nice with one of these teams, especially since many of these sign and trades will be coming from the Eastern Conference. So they'll, mm-hmm. they'll feel a lot better working with a team like Golden State out in the West. Keep an eye on that because if, if, if Golden State thinks that they're in a two- to three-year window still with these with the core players to keep winning championships, they will go all in and acquire somebody to be that fifth player for the, for the starting five. And if not, because of luxury tax purposes, which you laid out there, then they're going to have to play small ball with it and bring in somebody on maybe an exception or a veteran minimum. But sign and trade is absolutely an option for them, based on everything they hold right
0: now. Yeah, but the inter- the thing with the with that is, with a sign and trade, you are hard capped, so you can only go a certain amount over the luxury tax to the a luxury tax apron. But they've so got some fat case- to trim
1: on non guaranteed contracts that can get them down pretty yeah. good, right?
0: Yeah, they do. But I mean, they were they're they were tight this year. As far as... Um,
1: so are you saying they probably can't afford to keep Wiggins? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Or Draymond?
0: No, they can afford it. I'm just saying if they sign and trade, they're hard capping themselves. So they, if they're already over, they would have to probably move one of the large salaries to get below that apron because once you're hard capped, you can't go over that apron at all. So Wiggins would most likely have to be in that or Draymond in that, not that they're, they're going to move from him, but crazier things have happened. Right. Uh, so they would probably have to do something, especially again, we don't know where the cap is going to be. So if it drops drastically and they're extremely over, they're not even going to be able to facilitate probably a sign and trade because they would be so far over as it is. Last ends,
1: thing, so. because we've mentioned extensions and a dropping cap and collusion. And I put those three things into a bowl and mix it up. And I just forgot that I'm pretty sure Giannis is able to, to extend this off season. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah
0: we've, yeah. we've talked about that in the past. He can extend with the <laughs> Milwaukee bucks now, or he can wait. And then he has so, how many
1: years remaining on his current contract?
0: Uh,
1: is it just both. through
0: 2020, 21? He, yeah, to 2021. Yep. So he's got, uh, Next season, he would be under a contract uh, contract year.
1: So his percentage-based max extension would be based off of the 21-22 cap. Correct. So a $25 million decrease next year wouldn't necessarily impact him, though it'd be hard-pressed to see that cap get back up $25 million plus after that. <laughs> you understand right. what I'm saying here? I do. I do. There may be a significant decrease in Giannis' extension no matter who that is, whether he stays in Milwaukee or he goes elsewhere. This is very bad news for him right now. This is all very bad news.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. The last thing I'll say with the Warriors, going back to that, is they do have a trade exception from Andre Ugodala for $17 million. Why that is important is that expiration date is July 7th. So if, ever, <laughs> if, if all these things get shifted back, that is a date that may have to get shifted back as well. These oh, of course exceptions. it
1: would. Of course it would.
0: But they can take up any player with $17 million and below and be over the cap still and not essentially not sign and trade and be mm. hard capped. So they could take on someone fully, at say sixteen million dollars and can take on that that salary with that exception in full. So keep that in mind move forward here. Who could that be?
1: Could that be Miles Turner? That could be Miles Turner. I know Indy wants yeah. to get rid of him. They've got Sabonis. They don't need him. Miles Turner's at eighteen million next year. Hmm. Golden State's so interesting.
0: It is. A lot a lot of these teams are interesting. And then you got some teams that not so much, but yeah, okay. It, it, it is going to be interesting to see where things pan out here in the next month or two and maybe Friday. Maybe we'll know more. Friday. Definitely
1: Friday. That's how I was going to finish. Looking forward to Adam Silver's announcement. Um, hopefully it's loaded with details and uh, puts us in the right direction because baseball really made us take a step back here with this offer. Oh, by the way, I expect there to be a counteroffer from the Players Association in baseball probably Thursday. So if you're listening to this Thursday morning, um, expect something to come back from them. Spoiler, it's going to be a no. (laughs) And then it'll be a list of reasons why, and then it'll be a list of reasons uh, of compromises that they might be willing to discuss. But Scott and I discussed this in the last show. I said it again in the open here today. I think we are moving towards a situation where there is no baseball in 2020, and that might be what the owners want based on the offer we saw my thanks to the fantasy pros visit fantasypros.com slash spot dash nfl to get a head start on your draft mock drafts your dfs optimization and all that good stuff my thanks to the athletic visit the slash spot for 40 percent off for scott allen my name is mike genetti thanks for listening to this edition of the spot track podcast